Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, not the Toxic Tastings, the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Airs Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bull Hagen. And this is Vicar. And Pete's here. Hey, Pete. And uh, Berg's not here. Oh. He, he's in, in the process. He's really busy right now, but he really is chomping at the bit to be a part of the show again. So. Nice. So uh, before too long, he will be on with us mm. again. So, Vicar, how you doing? I'm doing quite well. We're squeezing a, a recording before a meeting tonight. Yeah, yeah, but we should just about have enough time. So. And how you doing, Pete? I'm tired, man. It's oh. been a rough week already. <laughs> yeah. So, Vicar. Last last episode, we, we did like a little sermon discussion. We did. It was like a diagnostic live podcast. Right. Yep. right. So I think let's start off the show by asking, let me ask you, how do you think that all went and what? how do you feel the end result was from our discussion? Well, it was a very productive discussion. It certainly helped my writing. I, I noted when I went to edit the sermon, uh, the first two pages kind of survived, but the trajectory for the following about four pages or so uh, was so changed by what we had discussed in a much better direction, way more cohesive direction, that it was a pretty heavy rewrite after the first couple of pages because it became a sermon specifically about this, the rich man's sermon. That's what I ended up calling it, the rich man's sermon. What would the rich man say? Because that pulled everything all together that I was trying to say in a much mm-hmm. better framework uh, and then uh, and straightened everything out. And and so then I gave the sermon on Sunday and I put into action uh, to the best of my ability, which I think I did all right, the various specific things good, that we talked about, like this pauses. I literally put brackets in this manuscript that said pause one, two, three. I mean, just for my own sake to be able to like remember, oh yeah, this is, I need to make the pauses real. If anybody's done any public speaking, they might note that a pause of a half a second while you're up in front of a bunch of people feels to the speaker like it was a really long pause. Right. And so right. you have to be super deliberate to make an actual long pause. Anyway, so I put those things into, into the sermon and I got a lot of good response from very kind people after the sermon saying that it was uh, it was a good sermon. One lady actually told me it was the best ever. And I think she meant for me, not from the oh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> anyway, I think she was measuring me against myself, but at any rate, uh, so, and one man, evidently that I talked to his wife, he heard the podcast and he went back and listened to the sermon again so he could hear the way the, the podcast okay. had like influenced the sermon. Oh, well, I, I noticed particularly the, uh, the, the clear statement, you know, you might think that part of like the biggest thing that, that was a change was was uh the direction that kind of that we gave mm-hmm. and that was that was a part of it certainly right, yeah but uh um the form as far as the clear right short concise statements that were stronger right you know eliminating a little wordiness really affected how you preached it you came across as more of a confident preacher in that mm, sermon well good um fooled everybody <laughs> no uh, no but you, you, but uh no it wor- worked out well so um, yeah, that was a good exercise. I mean, tough, like, let's be honest, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world to get live criticism while you're getting recorded, but, you know, but it, <laughs> right. was, it was a good exercise. It really was. And, and that's, that's part of the show is, is we're not, we're not afraid to be a, a little vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. You know, behind the collar, that's all part yeah, of it. Yeah. Errors is part of it. <laughs> right. 
because you know I, I when we when I think about the podcast, I don't think of a polished, mm-hmm. uh, you know, religious broadcast that uh, you know, right? That that uh, I, I think of you know pastors and vicar kind of mm-hmm. just being a little more real and raw about things, right? And uh, perhaps spilling their drink, you never know, right? <laughs> right. Um, because I, I think that's what we offer a little more than a lot of other religious podcasts. Hmm, okay. Like the 700 Club on TV is not full of candor. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, we have uh, the, the kind of the main driving thing that we'll talk about in the show is we have a email that uh, I want to answer with the top 12 list today. So oh. that will be coming up. Right on. But first, um, let's talk about uh, what I'm preaching on, Vicar. All right. It is the gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 14. When one of those who reclined at table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. All right. So, I have lots of things to talk about with this text. Yeah. All right. Now, to the to the to the vicar, because I, I I can I can channel my inner vicar and know what a vicar <laughs> thinks. You tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Where uh, oh, this is really easy to preach on, right? Well, easy in the sense of. Uh, well, it's pretty clear what it's about. Right. I can relate it to dumb excuses people might make now about rejecting the church or, or, or Christ. Right. Right. And which is all good, right? Yeah. And But I think as a preacher, it's easy to make a kind of a caricature hmm. of these reasons and excuses. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, when I look at this text, because part of my sermon preparation is... Uh, application. You're Particularly for, for your your congregation, your actual members. Uh, actually, even before that, for myself. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Not okay. Got it. Right. And and so you you kind of look at this, and you say, the cares and concerns of this life. Right. And it, it would be really easy to downplay that. Hmm. You know. Uh. Well, well. Yeah. I've got this or that. You know. All kind of. Um, excuses about time, and then certainly that plays a part in the Christian life. Yeah. Right? But but if I were to ask, 
they grab someone off the street and ask them what their cares and concerns are, you may, what kind of answers do you think would get? Probably to do with inflation and and politics and things like that, money and... I would say that. I would say um, culture wars. I would say yeah. family struggles. Like, yeah. like, it seems to me that uh, as time goes on, this all kind of multiplies, meaning that uh, we, t- we talk about the cares and concerns of this world. With each passing decade, it seems like we just pile more and more on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to give you I'll give a silly example. Okay. All right? Yeah. I had a weird conversation with my wife the other day. Okay. 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 And I, and I, I said, had an interesting, weird discussion with her about, you know, I was thinking about this kind of aspect of the text, right? The, okay. the cares and concerns and, and, and life and all that, right? And, and I thought to myself, if someone has just below average intelligence, okay? Yeah. You know, not, you know, because we all have different gifts. Right, definitely. Just so someone who's just isn't just by chance, just not as bright. Okay, not an academic. They're not right. 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 It's a really hard world world for them. I mean, <laughs> for people, I, and that's. I think in our be, culture, yeah, we have something of a meritocracy that awards like higher IQ. I think that's true. Right. Right. But but it's it is times twelve compared to like a hundred years ago. Right. I think so. The, the information. The age information. Yeah. Uh, how things get paid, how you buy things, how you earn things, mm. where where uh, manual labor is valued less and less. Right. And how uh, to make in the world, you have to be so shrewd with your money, uh, where it's going there and where it's going this and super, you have to know your computer, you have to, all these things. You know, I, I see this with elderly folks where they just... Yeah, they feel like the world has passed them by, right? And uh, I know it's a, is that a weird thought for you to kind of think about a little bit? No, I've thought about that too. I mean, at times like the that, you know, I, I'm kind of good at math. I mean, that's I can't take any credit for that. I was I didn't affect the way my brain was formed when I was born, but and uh, and I figured like that's a real blessing. I mean, in this world, the way the era that I've mm-hmm. been born into, that's been very, very, very good, very helpful. It's been yeah, very- and years past. Everyone could find their niche and, 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 you know, I think a lot of that w- would be physical labor and that kind of right. thing that you, that's, you know, you're blessed with to be able to do work all day in a, in that kind of environment. But now more and more that gets looked down on. And right. my point behind all of this is the fact that, um, that is goes to show about the cares and concerns of this life continues to pile on. Hmm. Life doesn't get any less complicated. It gets more and more complicated. And there is uh, a detriment, I believe, to the church and to faith as this goes on. Hmm. Um, Because I think with the complexity of everyday life, there becomes less and less of people sitting back and thinking about things. There's less and less time uh, to talk about theology. There's less less time for people just to have sit down and have a normal conversation by a campfire yeah. or to even disagree and, and uh, be able to talk about it in a calm, 
right. manner out of love. Like as life gets more complicated and the cares and concerns of this life kind of go more and more um, because I think we're, we're in a sense getting smarter and smarter in some ways and right. we're paying for it by not being as smart and other things. I, I read just maybe yesterday that we are now in a world where we have more and more information, but less and less thinking. And I thought that was a, kind of a good way to put it. I mean, you think of the way you can have your smartphone out looking at headlines and they call it doom scrolling. Mm-hmm. You heard of that, but a person just gets, can get into like the cycle of just seeing all these alarming headlines and then just swiping past them and swiping past them and trying to know everything that's going on and all these outrage the culture where you mentioned earlier. And so all these outrageous headlines and, but nobody, you're not really learn. You're not really gaining on anything. You're just wasting time in a way. Our, 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 our world is designed right now to, to make the cares and concerns of this life more and more complicated. Hmm. Okay. Well, how can I, how do I know that? Well, what, what, what's uh, one of the, the, you know, the easy things that we w- would take for granted? Well, what is a man and what is a woman? <laughs> That's very simple, right? Like, right. Well, that, what that, a dumb question. <laughs> right. Uh, think of all the thought that's been injected into that. Right. Um, Things are getting way and way, I think, too complicated for our own. And there's this theological importance of what I'm of why this is important because uh, these cares and concerns can crowd out the desire and love for the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. Because this is another way I could tell that this is happening. Is is it's when you look at this text, it's really easy to make a caricature of it. Oh, I have work to do, or I have to do this, or I have to take care of the animals, or, you know, <laughs> I have to get married. The examples that Jesus gives are so simple. I, I hear that, and I think, what a nice life that is. <laughs> so simple. What if you update the oxen to a truck as maybe a field worker that is now a vicar did one time when he preached on this very topic? <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. I still have the manuscript from where I preached this sermon at my uh, at my fieldwork church, and uh, maybe maybe we should look at that. I'm thinking just because like it's got so many connecting words. It looks now when I go back and review it, it looks like my goal in life was to fill up the sermon with uh, with transitions. <laughs> the very kind that you make me get rid of is there'd be nothing left. I think if we did that to that manuscript, so you. <laughs> So that means you're growing, right? You looked at that and you're like, oh my. Oh my. I was like very carefully explaining the simplest things with as many words as possible. (laughs) Let me tell you what I'm about to say, Peter. (laughs) So getting back to the text then. Yeah. Is is I think there's a a compassionate way to to preach this in a way that that you say you recognize that this this world is complicated, right? And there are so many cares and concerns of this world that we allow ourselves to be so concerned with, and yet what we truly need, we forget. Hmm. And um, so I think I see, and in that sense, I see 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 this from from that perspective. Another thing I think of, you know, doing a little personal reflection on this text, hmm. is uh, is the fact that uh, 
you know, when I talk to pastors and and church leaders all over the place, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone's just tired and weary. Hmm. We've. I, I don't think we've still gotten out of the COVID nineteen fog in some ways. And and I, that that's what another thing that makes me think of this is to just be encouraging in the kingdom, too. Um, and uh, remind your pastor, for example, of how thankful you are that he gives you God's word. Yeah. And then when you think of, for example, COVID-19, and there is a private prime example how the cares and concerns of this life, and we say, well, it was very complicated. Yes, it was. Yeah. Life is complicated. But what happened? It superseded the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, yeah, the banquet, and uh, and and so there's an example of, of what I'm talking about when you look at this text, not just making a caricature of, mm. oh, you're so busy, I'm so busy, we don't, you don't even have time to come to church. Well, maybe you should reorganize your priorities, and certainly that, that <laughs> you know, there is that aspect to it. But I think if you to connect with the listener and to connect with this text, you really have to delve in to specifically how those cares and concerns really look like because they hit you hard. Hmm. They hit you really hard. And if you make it just a caricature of things of, you know, of, you know, you know what I'm talking about by a character where it's just like kind of exaggerated. Oh, you, without actually delving into and considering the real cares and concerns that people have. Yeah. That keep them up at night. Um, to dress from that angle. Like, what are those? Uh, the word of God here is pleading with you to not those wearisome cares of this life, which are real and powerful, to not allow those to separate you from the kingdom of heaven. Right. Um, and so that's, you know, it's, it's a, that's why I brought up the discussion uh, of how a, how a vicar might look at this text. Right. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I was and I wasn't like like kind of painting you into a, the corner, no. but but you understand what I'm saying from that? Well, I think so. Like it, when I did write a sermon about this, it was I you know I went as far as saying, well, this is you know this concern for real estate. Didn't the guy look at the property before he bought it? And so I stayed at that level. I'll say instead of like maybe thinking it the way you are, like well, what is somebody in the congregation really dealing with it? Is there really somebody in the congregation that on account of buying a piece of real estate? You know, does that apply to anybody? I mean, but I didn't get there. I, I, I kept, maybe it was a character, I, I kept a caricature. I kept it at the level of like one, two, three real estate equipment relationship or something like that. Like the three examples of the people that, you know, we're, we're living at an extremely confusing and anxious time. Yeah. And, and that should help inform how are you going to apply this text hmm. to the lives of the people? Right. All right. So. Moving on. By the way, you have a beverage there. I do. We've talked too long. You haven't opened it yet. Is the mountain still blue? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be okay. It's still blue. My Coors Light, cold as the Rockies. So that's what I have with me. And I've got my sparkling uh, Pellegrino. This should, Blood orange and black raspberry. I should be well prepared for our meeting later after. <laughs> Not that Coors Light can do much to me. Or anybody. <laughs> So the, the I'd like to move on to the top 12 list, and, and to part of the top 12 list is an answer to a question from a listener 
Uh, she is a dedicated uh, listener. She says she's listened to every one of our episodes. Wow. She uses it to talk to her son, which is very nice. That is nice. Uh, that's good. Uh, she laughs. She saw a recent video, Let's Go, and she just shook her head every time because she imagined Berg just wincing mm-hmm. every time uh, Let's Go was used at the completion yeah. rather than at the start of something. Oh, and she mentioned uh, in the top 12 numbers, number two was underrated. Oh, yeah. She yes. likes the number two better. Man, she's been holding on to that for a long time. Yeah, that's been, a, hold, yeah, it's been a while. That's <laughs> for years, literally years. Wow. Yeah. All right. But but then she asks about a question about uh, approaching someone about baptism. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I think a lot of people have gone through this. Uh, you have someone in your life that you care deeply about, and you want to have a talk about, you know, about having uh, a, a baby baptized, right. whether it's a grandchild child or a step-grandchild or niece or a nephew, niece or, nephew yep. or just a neighbor that you're close to. Yeah. And so to answer that question, I have uh, to 12, my top 12 list to oh. of things to think about uh, when trying to talk to someone about having a, a child, an infant child, particularly baptized. Oh, okay. Peter... Play the intro! Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. All right, you're getting it, Vicar. <laughs> it's about time. You yeah, only have a couple months left. <laughs> maybe, by the, maybe by September. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Number 12. So number 12 uh, is to... This is a question. When you're we're dealing with this kind of situation of you have someone in your life who... You'd like to talk to being baptized their child, their infant child, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the first place I think would be to start is to, is there any kind of church home that they already have? Yeah. That's that's always a good place to start. Because um, that, that'll change how the discussion goes, because they may be at a, maybe a part of a church that doesn't baptize infants at all. And that, that changes right. the discussion a little bit. Right. Now you're having... A theological discussion about when to baptize somebody, not that whether or not to baptize. Right, right, and 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 also with that aspect of it, when you baptize a, a child, you're baptizing them into a church as well. Yeah, um, right. which which we'll talk about in the next next uh, one here. Okay, but uh, always uh, starting with a, a church home, and and when and with that aspect of it of saying, hey, you know, yeah. Uh, have you talked to to your, the pastor, your pastor, um, and just getting the ball in a, a simple way that way? Yeah, that makes sense. Start with the church. Number eleven. Uh, remember, there there are two aspects to a baptism like this. Okay, in this kind of situation, there is a short term and a long term, and it's incredibly important to keep both in mind. Mm. And so. Is the goal simply to have uh, the child baptized, but also to have the child fed and nourished? Right. Uh, because if it's just, okay, we're going to get the, the child baptized and there is no consideration of the church or the pastor or anything like that. Yeah. Um, that that's uh, It's good to have, the obviously, the child baptized, but you're not setting uh, it up so that the the seed that is planted can be fed and nourished right um and so so that that needs to be a part of the two not just 
uh, baptism. Like as a credential or something. Right, right. And the temptation is there too is, well, um, uh, I'll just uh, do a baptism in a bathtub or something and no one will ever know. Yeah. Um, because uh, that that completely takes the whole church out of the, the picture. Yeah. It's interesting because I, there was just a question on the LCMS subreddit about whether or not someone ought to baptize. I think it was a nephew who's six years old who had expressed an interest in getting baptized, but but the parents aren't aren't um, I guess in favor of that right now for various reasons, and uh, and so they were asking on the subreddit like, oh, should I just baptize him at home secretly? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's an interesting question for someone who's actually expressing a desire to be baptized. But anyway, different question than this one. So, 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 I'm sure you can. Everyone can find someone to baptize a baby, but at the same time, uh, more importantly than well, not more importantly, but better practice is to have a child baptized and also have a church and a pastor to care for that. Right. That ba- the baby. Yes. Yeah, so. And so. So that becomes more of a relational thing. That becomes then the discussion on rather than just about baptism, but uh, the connection to the church. Hmm. Um, because if it's just, okay, we're going to go find a way to get the child baptized, well, that's one hurdle, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, 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 the other part is really, really important, too. Yeah. Of, of making sure what is given is fed and nourished, and so, uh, so that that number eleven then is to to consider the long term association with a church. Number ten. With that in mind, one thing that you do have going for you in discussing with someone who is having a baby is the fact that. Um, uh, being a parent changes things, and it changes priorities, hmm. right? It gives you an opportunity to talk about, you know, when you have a child, you think about the future a little differently. Oh, yeah. And uh, you think about the world uh, that a child is being born into. And when I we just had a discussion on the podcast here about the uh, strange world we live in, the confusing world that we live right. in. And to be able to say, you know... Uh, I can't think of anything more important than what this child needs. Yeah. You know, you because you love your child so much and you understand, you see that it's not an easy world to bring up a child right now. How much, I know you love your, your child so much, how important it is to, to give them this kind of home. So to give them a rock on which their life is built on. Yeah. And, and it does begin from the very beginning and is something to build on. And so simply asking, talking about uh, the future, what is the world going to be like for your, for your, the infant child in 20 right. years? Absolutely. What, what will, if truth almost doesn't matter right now, if that's the way the world is trying to catechize our children in our public schools and so forth, how, we're, it's, you know, it seems like it's going to get even worse than that later. So we need to, to start off on a firm foundation. Number nine. It's never going to be an easier time than right now to have your the infant child baptized, the baby baptized. Hmm. And what I mean by that is those people think, oh, yeah, there's always time for this in their mind. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll put that on the back burner. We have some, some few things we want to do first. Um, there is no, there's not going to be an easier time right. than right now to do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's a good way to talk about it because I know from experience is when someone waits a while, it becomes infinitely uh, harder to bring them back Yeah. to be baptized. So right away really is the easiest time to do it. That makes sense. Um, and it's not going to get easier if they're one or two or three. Mm. Uh, because what happens is their life happens, the cares and concerns of this life. Right. And if whatever uh, someone has experienced at the very beginning and they think, well, well, when things calm down, one thing a parent knows is things don't uh, do not ever calm down. <laughs> yeah. And when they calm down is you're an empty nest <laughs> 25 years later and it's too late you know, or seemingly too late. Right. So um, simply saying, you know, there isn't there. This is the easiest time to do it. Right. It's right now. We'll just get it on. Yep. Number eight. Another thing that you, you might have going for you is this, is parents have higher aspirations and for their children than they actually have for themselves. Meaning, hmm. I'll, I'll get, for example, when we think of children eating their vegetables, right? Parents will, will, will make sure, oh, I want to make sure you eat all your vegetables so you're healthy. Yeah. They're more concerned about whether their child eats vegetables Way more than they're concerned whether they eat vegetables or not. <laughs> we would have uh, candy in the house, of course, and eat it when the children were not looking. <laughs> and, and there's something to having a, a new child in, in your, your life where there's two things that happen. A parent says, well, I wanted to raise my kid in a lot of ways that were very beneficial to me. Hmm. And I want to help my child with my expertise to avoid some of the things and the mistakes that I've made right. from the beginning. So if you're dealing with um, uh, parents who maybe have kind of not been a part of a church much, right? Yeah. There is something in them that wants for their child a better way than they have followed. And they want right. that, that provides a very wonderful opportunity for a fresh start. Right. Um, and so that also you have going for them is is a parent really has aspirations and, and want things for their kids more so than they even want for themselves. And, and I, I believe faith and being a part of the church is all is all a part of that. Yeah. Um, and so you, the parents might, you might think, you yourself may not find important for you right now. Uh, but I also know that you want what's best for your kid, even more for yourself. Yeah. No, that's a good angle to talk to a new parent, I think. like, um, Because I think sometimes can be mo- people can be motivated to go to a church for maybe what we wouldn't analyze as the best reason. Well, they're going to church so they can find some wholesome people and to hang around and some nice kids for their for their children to be friends with. But, you know, that's not a bad place to start. And then they can start hearing the word of God. Yeah, so so that's so that's another aspect on wh- by which to to maybe have a conversation. These are all different angles that maybe could come up that you could have a conversation. Yeah, number seven. Uh, one thing maybe you've picked up on this podcast is be willing to talk about your own vulnerabilities. Right, and uh, maybe there's an instance where maybe you didn't see need for baptism, or it could be a whatever. Yeah, it's always a lot dis- more disarming if you're talking 
of yourself. Or you could talk about your own vulnerabilities and how baptism was very helpful for you. Mm-hmm. Okay? A lot of times when people people are afraid to have this kind of conversation with someone because they're, we're, we're conditioned to have I'm right, you're wrong type mm-hmm. of a confrontational discussion. Oh, no, mm-hmm. I'm being cornered again to talk about baptism <laughs> and, and why you should and have to do this. But it's, it's very much more dis, disarming to talk about your own vulnerabilities and, and how this whole process helped you and how you have learned uh, certain things. Um, and uh, you can understand their situation, perhaps, in some way. You know, we don't very much ever want to understand each other. Mm-hmm. No, but we... the more you understand whatever their hesitations might be, the more you understand can help address them. And, uh, you know, doing it in such a way then I think hits the person you're talking with a little differently. You're not there to win an argument or win the day. Right. You know, you know, if if you wind up losing the argument and they wind up having the baby baptized, that you really haven't lost the argument. Yeah, that's right. Right? Uh, you might be humbled in it, but but that's part part of faith and understanding we're sinners and needing God's grace. And so so the go oh, that's always a good way to to talk about it in a disarming way because uh it's not an easy discussion to have. But doing it from that way can prove very helpful. Um, you probably notice I do that a lot too when I talk to you about certain things. Well, I remember when I was a vicar, or right, right. It's kind of my at this point one of the natural ways that I I talk about things. Yeah. Um, and and kind of disarming so that they the person can hear that it comes from an honest, helpful way and not from a way of me proving I'm right, right, or right. trying to win an argument, right. No, and it's interesting, this this particular angle we're talking about, uh, and, and with baptism, you know, I, I was not raised as a Lutheran, so I did not think babies were supposed to be baptized. And so I would be able to bring that background to a conversation if, when talking to somebody about having their baby mm-hmm. baptized. I could say, oh, no, I really understand why you would say that. I, I definitely used to believe that way. And then tell them, you know, how the scriptures explained to me carefully uh, turned my mind around on whether or not babies should be baptized. And, and I think there's room for see. The thing is, with that vulnerability, it's it's really hard. We we want to keep our cards to close to our chest without actually saying what really is bothering you, mm, right? And so, um, to say, talk about, for example, what a what a how much it helped you to know someone else in your life was baptized. Hmm. And how that gave you hope in a very difficult situation. Oh yeah, you know, That's a good point. And and, and mentioning, it, it, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know, um, your fears. You know, yeah. I love this child, and I, I I find it, you know, I don't want this. I want this. What's best for this child, and it comes from a place of love and concern. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to push anything on you, but yeah. let me explain why I feel this way. Right. That's a good point. It's the difference between let me win a technical argument with you versus I really want what's best for this, for this baby. Cause I love that baby. That's very different. And, and this is how it has helped me. And, mm-hmm. and this is, this is a strength that I have received from it. And, um, 
And mm. my concern is this is my real in my heart coming out. And it's not, I'm not trying to push my agenda on you or anything like this, but this is my feelings. This is what I believe. Right. You see the difference there? Oh, yeah. And it's, and it, it's delicate. I think there's room there to have that discussion from, from right. that angle. Yep. Number six. Pray for them. Oh. And pray for the child. That's a pretty good one. And then there's there's a few reasons. Okay. okay? Yeah. Uh, one is uh, God hears your prayers and it responds with <laughs> yeah. mercy. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and also, too, there's something about prayer that... Uh, that gives you a, a not give up type of an attitude. Yeah. Meaning every time you pray about it, you're also expressing a faith that that there's still hope in it. Right. And, uh, you know, like for me, uh, those prayers with my ADHD, they're, they're short and sweet and quick and scattered throughout the day, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's good. Um, but, uh, but be mindful of it because there there is some sort of a cognitive dissonance when you're when you're in a situation like that where on the one hand you want you -hmm. believe what is true on the other hand it's difficult to believe in the gospel and god's word when people who don't know it or understand it or reject it Mm. around you so so but you're not left empty-handed. But one way to answer that that dissonance that we have as Christians of struggling with those two worlds in our lives is to to pray, leave it, and and in praying, God hears those prayers. There's plenty of examples in the New Testament where right. someone prays for someone else and God heals them. You know where they go to Jesus, my daughter, my servant, my mother, mm, my right. friend, uh, our friend. We're lowering through the mat. He sees their right. faith and says, "Son, your sins are forgiven." So that's the first reason. The second reason is it doesn't put it on the back burner in your own care for that child as well. Yeah. You know, in your prayers, as you pray for them, it means you're not giving up on it and you're saying, oh, well, it'll never happen. It's a continual process and a continual, I'm not letting this go. I'm not giving up. Right. Uh, And so that's one thing. The same goes with when, when Jesus tells us to pray for enemies. Well, the first reason why you pray for enemies is because it's good for them and God hears those prayers. The second reason is God changes your own heart as you pray for the right. well-being for your... And I think in that way, praying for that infant child and the child that will be born and uh, it grows, continue to do so, does, keeps it from not only being, well, God hears it, but also keeps it from you putting it on the back burner. Because right. say you're praying for that, that child... It's hard to pray for that child continually and not still continue to try and do something about about it in love. Mm-hmm. Number five. This is a really big one. Okay. This is a this is a a big temptation. Okay. Don't be passive aggressive. <laughs> okay. okay. Be aggressive aggressive then or <laughs> no? Not that either. Okay. <laughs> uh, passive aggressive, meaning, well, you know, if you had then. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, that, uh, you know, list all the times Jesus was passive aggressive. No, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, you're not trying to give somebody a, a, a guilty conscience through, through passive aggressive. I mean, that's kind of the goal, I think, of passive aggressive is to make the person feel guilty that they haven't already done something. And, and it makes them want, not want to listen to you. 
Yeah. Then Especially right. the younger folks. So that'll be a big, that's always a big temptation situation of, of to kind of be passive aggressive about it. Don't do that. Hmm. Number four. You have to, at some point, see what the apprehension about baptism itself is. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, why aren't they joyfully headed towards baptism? Oh, I like that. But what's going on? Right. Is it about Christianity in general? Is it about mm-hmm. the Lutheran Church in general? Is it, uh, or is it a question on whether infant baptism is a thing? Yeah, is it valid? Is it, I don't want to necessarily, it's not important for me to be a part of the church or the child to be a part of a church, or... Is it, well, we don't believe infant baptism does anything, or there's yeah. really any need for it from that aspect of it. Right. Because that then directs how you might talk to them about it. Right. Um, if it's, uh, it seems like, a you know, we're not, not really a church thing for us, well then, well, well, today's a new beginning. I mean, this provides you an opportunity to, to look at things differently. Right. If it's... Uh, about, uh, I don't believe baptism does anything. Well, then, um, then that gives you a chance to talk about baptism and we'll get into that a little bit more specifically. Okay. Because that ultimately that's where we're headed towards number one. You see where this is going. Okay. 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 Um, but, uh, so you have to see, you have to, to really answer how you can help them is to see what kind of place it comes from. And it might surprise you actually. Uh, sometimes it could be, there's a whole host of internal reasons where, of, uh, people being nervous around a situation that might arrive, at, happen at church. And maybe I'm nervous about, you know, being in front of people, even something oh, as silly okay. as that can, can happen. Um, or at a practical level, have you ever baptized a baby not in front of the entire congregation for an issue like that out of curiosity? Uh, a, a small amount of times. Oh, okay. I just wondered. I mean, I know it still should be a public right. church worship event, I suppose I'll say. Right. But I could but see... But if like, there are, there, for me, if there are some limitations as far as really a phobia almost... Right. Yeah, it wouldn't be... You know? You wouldn't want to withhold baptism for something as silly, I'll put it, or... Right. That could easily be fixed. I'll give you an example that's, that doesn't include baptism. Okay. Okay. I remember uh, I used to visit a World War II veteran. Wow. Okay. Single, never married, and he came... He was spent uh, like four years uh, serving, starting in North Africa, all the way up the boot of Italy. Wow. And um, and I was trying to get him to come to church, obviously, right? Yeah, obviously. And he said, I can't do that. Hmm. An elderly man, well, yeah, I'm allergic to people. Okay. <laughs> allergic to people. Yeah. I mean, he, for him, he never really recovered from, I don't think, I what happened many, many years. And, you know, I could have just, I could just say, well, well, you need to be in church. You're rejecting the faith. Right. But I bet he wasn't really that way because he welcomed me and he loved to hear God's word. Oh, okay. And so I just kept visiting him. Well, that's good. Um, I didn't want to necessarily, it wasn't, in my mind, it wasn't a case of like disregard for God's word or for Christ. It was, there was something in him so strong that kept him from coming to church just from uh, inner phobias. Right. What he'd been through, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That he just could not be around large groups. He could not bring himself as much as he wanted to. He couldn't overcome that hurdle. Got it. 
But that's a that's a rare case. Well, sure, that's rare, but it's it's good that you know God loves that man too. Right. Number three. Looking at my list, I kind of already talked about this. Oh, we stomped on it. Okay, which one but, is it? But if you if you can do this, the, my list says talk about your own concerns. Why bothers you? So okay, yeah, I've already talked about that. I I kind of jumped ahead when I talked about vulnerabilities and right, that kind yeah. of thing. But but uh, see so, so see how that's the opposite of being passive aggressive. Mm. You know, if you're you're talking about this is why, and this is. You know why it bothers me, and and it makes it please in a way please help me with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, but but I think being open and honest can always always help. Absolutely. Number two, do what you can to connect them with a the pastor. Right. Okay. Uh, and uh, and sometimes too, like connect them with a the pastor. And is there a date? <laughs> yeah. You know, if there's any inkling, get a date down. Okay. So like have the pastor scheduled to visit them and then, and then you also are at their house when the pastor visits like that, you think? Or uh, No, like if no? they say, uh, uh, we talked to a pastor, you know, mm. and, and we got some good information. Uh, it's always good is, is whenever you can to, to ask or in that situation, well, can we get a date down? Because that's always the hardest. Right. What we're trying set to set the date, even if right. it's two months from now, set the date. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the reason why having a pastor obviously connect them with to, is, well, then a pastor can talk about not just the baptism, but the continual yeah. growth, being a part of a church, all yeah. those things. And number one. Uh, know the answers of yourself of why, why babies are baptized. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the simple answer that... Uh, catechism kids learn uh, is one they are included in all nations right Right. jesus said go and baptize make disciples all nations baptizing in the name of the father son and holy spirit and certainly uh that (laughs) includes not just older folks but everyone is included in all nations when you read that really carefully it doesn't say except babies down there somewhere correct oh it doesn't say that okay correct (laughs) uh also uh to remember, babies need what baptism offers. That's right. Right? Uh, we yep. are born in sin. We are born selfish and sinful. Right. Right. You don't have to teach an infant child to be selfish. Nope. Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> as pure and innocent they are, as they are, uh, any parent knows that they inherited, they come from sinners themselves that they know. Oh, yeah. Uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm. And so, so that's another thing to talk about why we baptize babies. Three, uh, Jesus particularly invites the little children to come to him. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Right. And you need faith like a little child has. And uh, when we teach the little ones memory verses, it's it's fascinating to see their faith and then to, then to ponder how as as we got older, because we were once little kids, you know, believe it or not, and as we got older, then the cares of this world, the complication, things get so complicated, and then we got, sometimes we have to talk ourselves back into having faith that we had by hearing the Word of God when we were small children. Right. Which, what, now we're teaching them the Apostles' Creed. Yeah. Are you excited about that? I am, yeah. Uh, I, I bet they can do it probably pretty fast from everything I've seen so far. They learn, All right. They learn it fast. Uh, 
So there's another side of the coin then when you're talking about, well, babies are sinners. Oh, yeah. Right? So the other side of the coin then is, yes, babies are sinners and they need what baptism offers. The other side of that is to recognize that then they also can have faith. That's right. When Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, and then added, for I tell you, anyone who wishes to receive the kingdom of heaven does so, unless he receives it like a little child, will never enter it. Meaning that actually the infant child has the clearest expression of faith. The infant child does not sit back and count on its works. Right. Uh, An infant child uh, receives everything by a gift, Right. Warmth, clothing, being fed, doesn't earn any of that, but born into a family, just mm-hmm. like in baptism. Uh, an infant child doesn't earn any of it, but they're born into a family by water and the word. Right. And so uh, from those words of Jesus, we see that, that yes, not only can babies have faith, they do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and that's, that is a blessing that you want to, to give a child. So I've given the listener uh, lots of things. You th- see anything I'm missing here, Vicar? Um, yeah, I think there was something, but uh, but you know now it's lost. I, I actually think of another aspect too is okay. is to remember uh, the fourth commandment: honor your father and mother. The reason why that's important is you honor and respect your father and mother because they are God's representative in the home, which says something about those placed in authority, right? Yeah. Uh, but also it says something about those who, with whom responsible and authority has been given to. Right. So uh, mother and father, uh, you are God's representative to your child at home. Right. And uh, imagine if every... A uh, government official uh, remember that in their work, they're representing God. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Now, I do remember something that helped me come around to understanding uh, that baby baptisms were, were good and valid. And that was when uh, a pastor pointed out to me that the babies of the chosen people, children of Israel, uh, were circumcised when they were eight days old. They were not doing a good work. You know, they weren't... Uh, they didn't agree to be circumcised so that they could be part of the chosen people. It was done as infants, as God had instructed them. And and that uh, that really helped me to see that, oh, God has always brought infants into his kingdom, as always. Yeah, because faith is not about, um, you know, we talk about the complicated of the world, how complicated the world is. Yeah. Right? Well, faith is different. You know, yeah. you don't have to be the smartest person in the world no. uh, to, to receive what God has given. And uh, it's not about aptitude or what you can grasp and what you can understand. Mm. Uh, an infant child understands these things. There you go. So, all right. Well, Pete, what do you think? I think that's an episode. All right. Very good. Uh, any uh, concluding comments there, Vicar? <laughs> um. Maybe in the future we could look at the questions that the daycare children have given to us. Um, uh, give us a – we're going to talk about these. Uh, so we have some actual questions by actual children. I like the one 
The one about uh, the pictures of Jesus. Yeah, that's right here on the top of my pile. All right, so just going to give him a teaser. This is a question from an actual child. Okay, here it is. Are the pictures of Jesus and angels real on TikTok? (laughs) (laughs) From the mouth of babes. I don't think anybody that provided this list of questions for me is over the age of seven. I doubt they might not even be that old. Well, maybe we can uh, direct that child to the Clerical Heirs TikTok page. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put you in charge of that, Vicar. You're going to putting out uh, Clerical Heir TikToks. uh, Can I scream, uh, what do we call it, Generation Gap? Because I don't know anything about TikTok other than it's apparently Chinese spy software. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well... So uh, that's a lots of interesting discussions we're going to have from that as well, uh, but stay tuned for that next time. All right, thank you for listening. I'm Bill Hagen. This is Vicar. Oh sure, go ahead, ignore our podcast. I mean, it's not like we've poured our heart and soul into creating compelling content for your listening pleasure. No, no, it's totally fine if you'd rather waste your time on mindless chatter and meaningless banner. Who needs thought-provoking discussions and insightful perspectives anyway? But hey. If you're into superficial fluff and superficial fluff alone, then by all means, carry on. I'm not sure you'll regret missing out on the intellectual stimulation and profound revelations that await those wise enough to give ear to our podcast. But hey, it's your loss. Enjoy your mediocrity. And may you not be passive-aggressive. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts questions, thoughts, concerns, you can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical podcast on Twitter at clerical P for podcast or email us at feedback at clerical Thanks for listening to clerical See you next time.